0: Then Joshua, son of Nun, secretly sent two spies from Shittim. Go look over the land, he said, especially Jericho. So they went and entered the house of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there. The king of Jericho was told, Look, some of the Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. So the king of Jericho sent the message to, to Rahab. Bring out the men who came to you and entered your house, because they have come to spy out the whole land. But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. She said, Yes, the men came to me, but I did not know where they had come from. At dusk, when it was time to close the city gate, they left. I do not know which way they went. Go after them quickly. You may catch up with them. But she had taken them up onto the roof and hidden them under the stalks of flax she had laid out on the roof. So the men set out in pursuit of the spies on the road that leads to the fords of the Jordan. And as soon as the pursuers had gone out, the gates were shut. Before the spies lay down for the night, she went up onto the roof and said to them, I know that the Lord has given you this land, and that a great fear of you has fallen on us, so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. We have heard the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when he came out of Egypt, and what you did to Sion and Og, the two kings of the Amorites, east of Jordan, whom you completely destroyed. When we heard of it, our hearts melted in fear and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God is God in heaven, above and on the earth below. Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that you will show kindness to my family because I've shown kindness to you. Give me a sure sign that you will spare the lives of my father, mother, my brothers and sisters and all who belong to them and that you will save us from death. Our lives for your lives, the men assured her. If you don't tell what we were doing, we will treat you kindly and faithfully when the Lord gives up the land. So she let them down by a rope through the window, for the house she lived in was part of the city wall. She said to them, Go to the hills so the pursuers will not find you. Hide yourselves there three days until they return, and then go on your way. Now the men had said to her, This oath you made us swear will not be binding on us unless, when we enter the land, you have tied this scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down, and unless you have brought your father and mother, your brothers and their family into your house. If any of them go outside your house into the street, their blood will be on their own heads. We will not be responsible. As for those who are in the house with you, their blood will be on our head if a hand is laid on them. But if you tell what we are doing we will be released from the oath you made us swear agreed she replied let it be as you say so she sent them away and they departed and she tied the scarlet cord in the window when they left they went into the hills and stayed there three days until the pursuers had searched along the road and returned without finding them then the two men started back They went down out of the hills, forded the river, and came to Joshua, son of Nun, and told him everything that had happened to them. They said to Joshua, The Lord has surely given the whole land into our hands. All the people are melting in fear because of us.
1: Brilliant. Thank you, Phil. Um, And morning, everyone. Let me add my welcome to Matt's. Um, I'm Michael, uh, one of the associate ministers here. I'm pleased to keep your Bible open there at page 216 as we think about this story. And I wonder, when's the last time you had to rethink some assumptions? Could be assumptions to do with food. I assumed this food was healthy. Turns out uh, it's not. It could be something practical. You know, I assumed I knew how to change a tire, but what was I in for a surprise when the car actually broke down? Um, uh, It could be you've been on holiday, and something was just entirely different to what you expected. Or imagine this. Probably as you came into church this morning, you were greeted by uh, someone friendly, smiley on our welcome team, Um, Louis, Nicola, someone wearing a, a welcome badge standing by the church's front door. Well, imagine someone who's on their way to church. Uh, They've walked by the river, and now they're coming up Newmarket Road. uh, And as they head towards the church building, they kind of picture the the sort of person they imagine will be standing by the front door of church to welcome them. Someone well-dressed, they expect, wearing nice clothes, with a respectable job, maybe a medic, or a teacher, an engineer, something like that. Uh, If you asked around, no doubt people would think well of them. Uh, Probably they started off church in Sunday club, and then youth group, and now they're in a home group, and they've always been part of Christian things. That's the kind of person our friend expects to greet them at the front door, because that's the kind of person who belongs in church, they assume. But when they arrive... They're shocked because standing at the front door is a foreign woman dressed in tattered clothing, a woman with the most scandalous reputation. When people pass her on the street, they whisper and cross to the other side, and they keep their children away from her. And that's the person our friend now finds standing at the front door of church, ready to greet them. And on her name badge, it says, Rahab. That would be pretty shocking for a friend, wouldn't it? They'd have to rethink their assumptions about who belongs to God's people. Well, as Matt said, we're in the middle of a short series on good news in the Old Testament. Last week, we looked at chapter one of this book, Joshua, where Joshua is about to lead God's people into the promised land. And Joshua is like a little preview of the Lord Jesus who leads God's people to the real promised land, to a forever heavenly home. And the shock for us as we move from chapter 1 to chapter 2 is seeing who's included in that, what kind of person God fronts as being included in his people with a home in the promised land. Because standing at the front door of this book is the prostitute, Rahab. And now you might be thinking, well, come on, Michael, um, chapter two isn't the front door to this book. Surely chapter one is. Uh, well, fair enough. But then ask yourself, why is chapter two and Rahab's story even here? Because here's the thing you could cut it out, uh, go straight from chapter one to chapter three, and it would all make sense. In fact, You could take Rahab's story out of this book, and the whole book would still make sense. Joshua leads God's people into Canaan, gets rid of the Canaanites, and they make their home in the Promised Land. Rahab's story doesn't need to be here, but it is here. God's included it. Because right at the start of this book, right as it kicks off, it's like God goes out of his way to say, here's the kind of person I include. The last person you'd expect. Turns out she's the kind of person who belongs in God's people with a home in the promised land. And as we think more about that now, we might find it a bit unsettling because many of us here aren't much like Rahab, this person God includes, Lots of us grew up with church backgrounds. Uh, Lots of us know our Bibles pretty well. Rahab had none of that. She was a Canaanite. She knew almost nothing about the God of the Bible. Lots of us here are educated with careers and, and some social status. Rahab had none of that. Imagine how her parents would have reacted if you'd asked them what their daughter was up to. I imagine they would have gone pretty quiet. Lots of us are well off financially, you know, relatively speaking. We've got money. Rahab had none of that. Almost certainly, she was desperately poor. No one with any prospects would have chosen the kind of work she was doing. I mean, I realize I'm generalizing about us, uh, but you get the point. Many of us have little in common with Rahab. And so it might be unsettling for us to see God flag her, as the kind of person he includes. But despite all Rahab didn't have, she had the one thing that counts. And if it turns out we have it too, then I hope we'll be deeply reassured and full of praise that we're included and blessed with her. So let's get into this story, and the story starts with Joshua sending some spies to spy out Jericho, I guess to scope out the enemy's defenses and then report back. Uh, And when they arrive, verse 1, they go to Rahab's place, um, which could well have been a kind of inn where travelers stayed. Now, if you know the Old Testament, this spy story might ring some bells for you, because years earlier, Moses sent 12 spies into Canaan. Uh, And it was a disaster. All the spies, bar two, uh, reported back that they were terrified and convinced the people it was impossible to take the promised land. Absolute disaster. And this spy story here looks to be doomed as well. Because immediately, uh, by verse 2, the king of Jericho's all them immediately tracked down the spies. Makes you wonder how these guys passed spy school, doesn't it? But they don't seem very good at what they do. And now they're sitting ducks for the king's executioners. Looks like it's all over. And it would be, except that for reasons we don't know yet, Rahab pulls a fast one on the king's men. Yeah, they were here, but they went that way. You better get after them. When all the while she has the spies hiding on her roof. And this is risky business, isn't it? If the king's men had searched the house and found the spies, that would be it for Rahab. And she's putting her neck on the line for these guys. I wonder how the spies felt lying on the roof as they heard the voices and footsteps from down below. And Rahab, she doesn't get many points for honesty, does she? You know, she's lying through her teeth when she protects these guys. But though Rahab gets lots of things wrong, she got one big thing right because at this point of the story we're asking the question why why would Rahab risk her life to save these spies instead of turning them in why in time does she help them escape and report back to Joshua why and that takes us to the heart of this story and Rahab's words in verses 8 to 11 she goes to the spies in hiding and whatever the spies expected to discover in Jericho, they must have been surprised by what they found. A bit like you want a drink of water and you turn on the taps and orange juice comes out. You know, that would be a surprise, wouldn't it? Who would not expect that. That's a stupid example. Um, but that feeling of surprise, I think that's what the spies must have felt as they listened to Rahab. Because in her words, they discovered two surprising things, fear and faith. Let's talk about those things now, fear and faith. First, the spies discovered fear. Take a look at what Rahab tells the spies in verse 9. I know that the Lord has given this land to you and that a great fear of you has fallen on us so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. Which is a surprise because Jericho is a great, big, strong, scary city. And, and Rahab says, well, ask anyone here how they're feeling. And they tell you, we're terrified, absolutely terrified about what's coming. You know, you expect God's people to be afraid of their enemies. Turns out it's the other way around. And why is that? First 10, we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt. And what you did to Sihon a dog the two kings of the Amorites east of the Jordan, whom you completely destroyed. When we heard of it, our hearts sank and everyone's courage failed. They've heard what the Lord has done, his real actions in history, and so they're afraid. Now, what do we think of that? I guess it's pretty common to think of fear as a negative emotion alongside stuff like anger. Uh, fear, uh, well, we're talking about fear, anger, uh, sadness, you know, something bad. Fear's a bad thing. But I think we realize, if we think about it, that as well as bad fear, there can be such a thing as good fear. You know, if someone's so terrified of a kitten that they can't be in the same room as it while it purrs and meows and licks itself, you know, we'd, we'd say something's gone wrong with that fear. Um, it's, it's not really appropriate. On the other hand, If someone's so terrified of a lion that they can't be in the same room as it, well, that's a right fear, isn't it? Because a lion is dangerous. In other words, some fears are good if they recognize reality. And for us, it's right to fear God. Not because God is vicious, like a hungry lion, but because we're rebels who deserve his punishment, The people of Jericho, they ignored the Lord and worshipped other things and did stuff that God hates. And now they're terrified because they were about to face the consequences. It's quite a thought, isn't it? A whole city trembling in fear at God's judgment. And here we are in our city. It's a preview of the day when the Lord Jesus will come to punish all rebellion against God. According to Revelation A day when those who've rejected Christ will call to the mountains and the rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of their wrath has come and who can withstand it? Whatever we have, money, career, education, status, will count for nothing on that day if we're on the wrong side of God. So, Until we're forgiven, it's right to be afraid. If you're not yet trusting in Jesus for forgiveness, it's right to wonder what if there is a God? What if I will have to answer for the way I've lived? What if it's all true? Because that's reality. In fact, it's people who don't fear God. They're the ones who are really in trouble. So the people of Jericho, they've heard about the Lord and they're afraid. But with Rahab, and seemingly only with Rahab, with Rahab, something wonderful happens. Everyone else stays in fear. But with Rahab, we see where fearing God is meant to lead to. Because for Rahab, fear leads to faith. And Rahab's faith is the key thing about her. In the New Testament books, Hebrews and James, Rahab is highlighted for her faith. And it's a wonderful thing that Rahab moved from fear to faith, because according to Hebrews 11, Rahab's faith is what saves her. Her faith is why she escapes judgments. You can hear it in how she speaks. Verse 11, she recognizes the Lord your God, the God of Israel, not the made-up gods of Canaanite religion. He's God in heaven above and on the earth below. For a Canaanite to get that is remarkable, And uh, I don't know exactly how that happened for Rahab, but wonderfully, she somehow realizes that the Lord isn't just a fearful God to run from, but a merciful God to run to. She could come to him for grace. And you think of the Lord Jesus, how the demons cried out in terror when they met God in the flesh, and yet how sinners were drawn to him for forgiveness because of how gracious he is. And that's what happens with Rahab. In the words of verse 11, she seeks kindness from the Lord. That word kindness, it's the Hebrew word hesed, which is a covenant word. Rahab's relying on the Lord's covenant love. And part of that is she commits to be in covenant relationship with the Lord and his people. That's the point of the kindness She's shown to the spies, she's flipped her loyalties, or like James puts it, her faith is demonstrated in how she lives, in action. She lives differently now for the Lord and for his people, even when it risks her life. In New Testament language, Rahab's become a Christian. See, Rahab got lots of things wrong, but she got this one big thing right, She put her faith in the Lord, just as someone today who puts their trust in the Lord Jesus. And we'd have to read chapter six to see exactly how things play out. But from here it's certain. Rahab's saved. Now she needs reassurance, of course. So verse fourteen, the spies promise her our lives for your life. Rahab, we'll guarantee your safety with our lives. We'll die if anything happens to you. And along with the promise, they give Rahab a scarlet cord to mark out her house for protection. Rahab, take this cord and tie it to your window and bring your whole family if they'll come into your house and you'll all be safe when judgment falls if you have this cord tied to your house. So that when judgment finally does fall on Jericho, There's one safe place in the whole city, one safe place in judgment, like Noah's Ark in the flood, like an Israelite house at the time of the Passover in Egypt with blood dabbed on the doors, one safe place in judgment. And it's not the king's palace or the vault of the bank of Jericho or the labs of the University of Jericho. The one safe place in this whole city is the house of a prostitute who trusts the Lord. Isn't that amazing? And when the dust settles, Rahab isn't just left out of judgment, she's drawn in to God's people. It's like our vicar David likes to say, when someone trusts in Jesus, God's grace means we're not just free to leave, much better, we are welcome to stay. And Rahab is welcomed by God into his people. And chapter one of Matthew's gospel tells us she's even welcomed into Jesus' family tree. Isn't that amazing? That a woman with such a messy background, her life messed up in every way you could think, a Canaanite, an outsider, no respectable background, no social status, no religious credentials. And that's who God flags as. She's included in my people. Isn't that extraordinary? She, she has a place in the promised land. Because this woman at the absolute bottom of the pile, God gives her the most precious thing. That scarlet cord given to Rahab to tie onto her window. The one thing that guarantees she'll be safe in judgment. That scarlet cord ultimately stands for the Lord Jesus. Because if we have Christ, if our faith is in Jesus, then we're safe. When the judgment comes, we're drawn into God's people. He is the one thing that counts And if you asked Rahab, Rahab, what's the most valuable thing you possess? This woman with almost nothing could show you the scarlet cord and tell you, I have the most valuable thing in all Jericho. I have the one thing that makes a difference, the only thing that counts. Nothing else in this whole city comes close. And church family, whatever we have, And whatever we don't have, if we have Christ, if our trust is in the Lord Jesus who shed his blood to save us, then you and I can say with Rahab, wonderfully, that we have the most precious thing because we have him. And isn't that good news? Well, let me pray. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we praise you that you loved us enough to give yourself for us, and gosh, whatever background we have, whatever we've done, whatever's been done to us, thank you that uh, if we have you, we have everything, Uh, that like Rahab, we have a place in your people, a place in your heavenly promised land. So please deeply assure assure us of that, keep us from putting our trust in anything else Uh, that we might think counts for something before God. Help us to supremely value you, we pray. And we pray it in your name. Amen.